Well, let's give our attention to the reading of God's Word, starting in John 1, 6 through 13, and then we'll flip over to Ephesians 1, 3 through 6. This is God's Word. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Ephesians chapter 1, beginning in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him from before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. This is God's word. Let's go to him in prayer. O Lord our God, we thank you for the promise of the gospel. We thank you that we have all become sons and daughters of you, Lord God, through Jesus. We pray that you would fill us with your Holy Spirit as we study your word, and I pray that you would enliven our hearts that we might spend this season of Advent, this season of anticipation in great joy for what you have done for us through your Son. Hear our prayer, for we pray in his name, asking that you would speak, for we, your servants, are listening. Amen. Every adoption has a story. Kina's adoption story began in Ethiopia. Here's how his parents described his journey to the United States. They write, years of waiting, thousands of dollars, countless tears shed. Reams of paperwork filed, refiled, notarized, authenticated, and submitted for review by multiple layers of state, national, and international bureaucratic agencies. And finally, we left to adopt our soon-to-be son. As I think back upon our adoption journey thus far, I can only conclude that we are crazy. Was it hard? Absolutely. Were they crazy? Absolutely not. Would they do it all over again? Absolutely they would. Kina is their adopted son. Haley's adoption story began in South Korea. When she came to the United States, when she was just a toddler, her family in Tennessee was waiting for her, only there was a problem. Uh, she spoke not a single word of English, and they spoke only a word or two in Korean. I can relate. When I first came to the South 15 years ago, 
I did not know how to communicate in Southern English. I always thought that bless your heart was a good thing. And as it turns out, it means the exact opposite of what I always thought it meant. I thought those little old ladies from Tennessee were just being nice to me. Uh, Haley is in high school now. She's a great student, a straight-A student. She's a varsity athlete. She has a new family, a new identity, and a new destiny because she was adopted by two amazing parents who have an adoption story of their own. John 1.12, But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Our family's adoption story began in rural South Dakota with a little girl named Lilia. She was never formally or legally adopted by the Hansen family, but she was sent to live with them when she was just a little girl. Her mother died when she was very small, and her father, a farmer, didn't have the ability or resources to take care of her. She lived a, a pretty rough life. Her new family never really accepted her as one of their own. In many ways, she was more of a servant to them than a daughter. But something happened to her that changed her life forever. She was sitting in a little Lutheran church somewhere in the middle of nowhere, South Dakota, and she heard the gospel. And when she heard the gospel and believed, she realized that she did have a father. A heavenly father who loved her before she was even born. A heavenly father who adopted her into his family. And the moment that she believed, that little girl, the girl that no one wanted, became a daughter of the king, a princess. And I think looking at her pictures from when she was a little girl, she looks a lot like her great-great-granddaughter, also named Lilia, a member of this church, also an adopted daughter of the king. Ephesians 1 verse 4, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. According to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. My friends, that's our adoption story. We all come into this world as spiritual orphans, vulnerable, lost, alone, looking for love, looking for a family, longing for home. Then, in a moment of time, we hear the gospel, the gospel of the good news that God the Father has chosen us to become his adopted children by grace through faith in Jesus, his son, our elder brother. Instantly, the moment that we believe, we are blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We're blessed with access to God. We're blessed with an inheritance from God. We're blessed with security and a family, all to the praise of his glorious grace. And yet, in spite of the truth of our adoption, many of us 
still live like orphans. Some of us hear that invitation to God's family and we turn away, rejecting God's offer of grace, rejecting the home that God has gone to prepare for us through his love. Many of us who claim the promises of God for ourselves live as if we're all alone, on our own, having to fend for ourselves. Many of us think that there must be some strings attached, that we must have to earn our place in God's family. And so we do good works, not out of gratitude for God's grace, but thinking that through those good works, we will earn the favor of our Heavenly Father. None of it's true. And yet so often, we live with a sense of fear and anxiety, looking for a home that God has so freely given us all along. And so in the opening verses of John's Gospel, part three of Christmas according to John, John reminds us that the Gospel is true. That the impossible has become possible. God the Father has adopted us into his family through Jesus. Because of Jesus, we who were not God's people have become the people of God. Because of Jesus, we who were rejected by God have been accepted by God. Because of Jesus, we who were spiritual orphans have become children of the living God. Do you know your adoption story? Do you know who you are? Do you know who Jesus is? Do you know what Jesus came to do? These are some of the questions we'll be asking this morning as we think about our adoption stories. If you're taking notes this morning, here's our outline. First, we'll see that adoption means that we have been chosen by God. Second, we'll see that adoption was very, very costly to God. Third, we'll see that adoption means that we can and do have a relationship with God. Fourth, we'll see that adoption means that we are part of the family of God. And fifth, last but not least, we'll see that adoption shows us the mission of God. Why we're here. Are you a child of God? How does that happen? What does it mean? Let's take a closer look. Our first big idea is this. Adoption means that we were chosen by God. In John 1.12, John tells us that God gave us the right to become children of God. In other words, our adoption is a gift from God. Adoption isn't something that we earn. It's a gift that we receive. God didn't adopt us into his family because we were any smarter than all the other kids in the orphanage. God didn't adopt us into his family because we were better than all the other kids in the orphanage. In fact, I think you could make a case that God chose us precisely because we were not the smartest and we were not the best kids in the orphanage. In 1 Corinthians, the Apostle Paul makes the point that God chose what is weak in the world in order to demonstrate his strength. God chose what is worst in the world, the worst sinners in the world, to show that he is gracious and merciful and good. 
Paul makes this point even more explicitly in Ephesians 1, starting in verse 3. He writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him from before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. How many of you have a story about not being chosen? I have a few of those. When I was in fifth grade, I was not chosen for my elementary school flag football team. I still remember standing outside of uh, Mr. Rickert's office. He was the PE coach. He had a list of everyone who'd made the team after the tryouts, and my name was not on the list. I couldn't believe it. I thought it must be some mistake. I read the list three times over and over again, and my name was not on the list. Not chosen. Isn't that strange how I remember it all these years later? And yet, I'm sure that everyone in this room can give me a not chosen story. Some of you were not chosen to go to the prom. Some of you were not chosen for the college or the grad school that you really wanted to attend. Some of you were not chosen for your dream job, or if you were chosen for that dream job, discovered that you were not chosen for a promotion. Some of you really wanted that swing that Travis made for our Christmas party, (laughs) and you put your name in there, and you didn't get it because you were not chosen. I'll give you one more. When I was 16, I was not chosen to work at Streetlight Records. I wanted to work at Streetlight Records more than any teenager has ever wanted to do anything in their entire life. I would have worked there for free. I would have allowed them to pay me in used REM CDs. And I didn't even like REM. That's how much I wanted that job, and yet, not chosen. Why do we remember things like that? Because when we're not chosen, we feel worthless. When we're not chosen, we don't feel valuable. When we're not chosen, we feel like we're not good enough. When we're not chosen, we feel like orphans. People who are sitting in that orphanage day after day, week after week, month after month, just praying that someone will come for us. A mom or a dad who will give us a forever home and a forever family. We dream that someday we'll find peace that surpasses all understanding. Sometimes in a world filled with broken people, and broken families and broken promises, we, will, we all wonder, will my father ever come to take me home? The good news of the gospel, the good news of Christmas, is that he came. God did not leave us alone in our sin. God did not leave us as wanderers and strangers on this earth. He sent his son Jesus to rescue us, to redeem us, to bring us home. He chose us. 
He adopted us into his family, and we know that he will not abandon us because our adoption is unconditional. We are told that we were chosen in Christ before we could meet any conditions. We were chosen in Christ from before the foundation of the world. If you believe in Jesus, if you believe that the Christmas story is true, you're not an orphan. You're not alone. You're not worthless. You're not that little kid who got picked last. You're not that little kid who didn't get picked at all. You're chosen. And because you're chosen, you are part of the family of God. Second big idea Adoption was costly to God. John 1 9, the true light which gives life to every light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the ma- the world was made by him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. The cost of our inclusion is his exclusion. Jesus became an orphan, rejected by his family, abandoned by his friends, and crucified by the religious leaders of Israel so that we could become children of the living God. Here's Paul again from Ephesians 1, verse 4. Even as he chose us in him, in Jesus, from before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, in love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us, how? In the Beloved. In other words, there is no such thing as adoption apart from Jesus. We are adopted in Jesus. We are adopted through Jesus. We have a place in God's family specifically because of Jesus. Now, that might lead you to ask the question, is our adoption free? We talk about how salvation is a free gift. Is our adoption free? Well, yes and no. It's free to us. It was very, very costly to God. Adoption is usually very expensive. If you choose to adopt a child, and I hope some of you will decide to make that choice, you will spend a lot of time and you will spend a lot of money. Some families literally fly to the far corners of the world to adopt children. It's very, very costly. Our adoption into God's family cost God, the Father, the life of his own son, Jesus Our adoption papers are signed and sealed in his blood. We are part of the family of faith because our salvation came at an infinite cost to God. The good news of Christmas, the good news of the gospel, is that our God has freely and joyfully paid that price He has freely and joyfully given us that gift as much as it cost, knowing exactly what it would cost to bring us into the family of faith. He gave his greatest treasure to make us his children. He gave his one and only son to make us 
his sons and daughters. If you're a Christian, you have been adopted to the family of God in and through Jesus. He became an orphan for you, crying out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? My God, my God, why have you orphaned me? He did it so that we might become adopted sons and daughters of the king. Our third big idea is this. Adoption means that we can and do have a personal relationship with God. Through adoption, God becomes our father and we become his children. As God's children, we have infinite, uh, unrestricted access to our heavenly father. Just imagine that. We have access to the most powerful being in all of the universe who created everything that we see, who created the sun and the moon and the stars, the God who created us and knows us by name. We have access to him. If I called the president of the United States on the phone, he would not take my phone call, and he certainly would not meet with me. The same thing could be said of the governor. The same thing could be said for our two senators. Same thing could be said for our congressman. Uh, if I called the mayor on the phone, he might take my call because Kate knows him and Kate knows everybody. But other than that, our family does not have a lot of uh, connections with rich and powerful people. Elon Musk does not owe me any favors. Bill Gates owes me an apology for Windows 95. But other than that... Uh, we have very little connection with the powerful people of the world. But if I called my parents in the middle of the night and said, Mom, Dad, I'm in trouble, there's an emergency, they would be at my front door in 10 minutes. And if my kids called me up in the middle of the night or texted me in the middle of the night, Dad, I'm in trouble, Dad, please come get me, you can believe I am going wherever they are immediately, no questions asked, because they're my kids. We have that kind of relationship with our human parents, that kind of access. Adoption means that we now have that same access to the God the Father Almighty, the maker of heaven and earth. We have access to him as our father. As God's children, we also have an inheritance from our heavenly father. Paul mentions this explicitly in Ephesians 1 verse 11. He says that in Jesus, we have obtained an inheritance. Adoption means that we are heirs of the kingdom of God. Adoption means that we will someday inherit the earth. Now just think about what that means. Think about how different your life would be if you really believed that. I think about how different my life would be if I, if I really, really believed that, if I took that truth with me every moment of every day. Think about it this way. Imagine if someone told you that you have an inheritance of $10 million waiting for you when you turn 65. How worried would you be about gas prices? How worried would you be about inflation? How worried would you be about the uh, real estate bubble? Probably not worried at all. Would you be worried about starting a new business? No. 
Would you be willing to take a cruise anywhere on this earth? You probably would. You might start reading the menu from left to right instead of from right to left. That's how I was taught to read it when I was a kid. We don't have to read it that way anymore because we are heirs of the kingdom of God. My guess, if we believe that, we would stop worrying and start living. The good news of Christmas is that we do have an inheritance. We have an inheritance that can never spoil or fade, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for us if we believe. And so we can stop worrying and start living. I know Christmas is a very busy time of year, and it's a very stressful time of year for many, many reasons. But it's going to be okay. God is going to take care of you. We don't have to live like orphans anymore. We are the adopted children of God. We have a personal relationship with him. He's our father, and we're his kids. Fourth big idea, adoption means that we are part of the family of God. When we believe in Jesus, not only do we get a new father, we get a new family. We get new brothers and sisters. We get new fathers and mothers. We get new aunts and uncles who sometimes park their RV in the driveway, but not always. And when they do, we forgive them because we're part of a family. Being part of God's family is a great privilege, but it's also a great responsibility. The privilege comes in the form of this. Look at the people who are sitting around you this morning. These are not random people that you happen to be attending church with. These are your brothers and sisters in the Lord. These are your fathers and your mothers and your aunts and your uncles and your cousins. And when you're sick, they will be the ones that visit you in the hospital. And when you're hungry, they will be the ones who will bring you a meal. And when you need help moving, they will be the ones who will help you move. When you're discouraged, they'll be the ones who are praying for you. And when you're just beaten down, they will be the ones who take you up and lift you up and encourage you. And when you're making bad decisions, they will be the ones who love you enough to tell it like it is, to speak the truth in love, to get you back on the right path so that you're walking as a follower of Jesus Christ. In Matthew 19, Jesus was talking to a group of his disciples, people who had essentially been uh, orphaned by their families. They say, Jesus, we've left everyone to follow you. We left our fathers, we left our mothers, we left everything behind, all of our property, everything we own. And Jesus said this, everyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or father or mother or children or lands for my name's sake, will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. Isn't that a privilege? As God's adopted children, we have millions and millions of brothers and sisters, billions maybe, in every nation and people group and land all around the world. We're part of the family of God. 
But there's more. Being part of God's family, it's, it's not just a privilege, though it is. It's also a responsibility. We don't just receive all the meals and the hospital visits and, and the help moving. We give the meals and the hospital visits and the help moving. We don't just receive the prayers and the encouragement. We give the prayers and the encouragement. We have the responsibility to live at peace with one another, to when we sin against one another, to not simply just throw up our hands and walk away, but to forgive and reconcile and be peacemakers. We have a responsibility to give generously to our brothers and sisters in need so that the work of God's kingdom might be done on earth as it is in heaven. We have a responsibility to worship together and pray together and eat together and raise our kids together. We have been adopted. We're part of a family now. The family of faith. Fifth big idea, last one. Adoption helps us understand the mission of God. According to Ephesians 1.6, our adoption is for the praise of of his glorious grace. What does that mean? It means that our adoption tells a story. A story of Jesus and his love. A story of Jesus coming to orphans and adopting them into the family of God forever and ever because he is loving and gracious and good. Our mission as God's people as part of the family of faith, is to tell that story with our words and our deeds so that the family of faith keeps growing bigger and bigger and getting better and better day by day until all of God's orphaned children are brought in to the family of God. The goal of adoption is a world in which God's grace is known and celebrated and proclaimed in every nation among every people group on earth. So that this Christmas season, let me encourage you to glorify God by telling your adoption story. Yes, put some, put some lights on the house. That's good. Get those inflatables and all the things that we do and the wreaths and the candles. Praise God. But don't forget to tell your adoption story. Don't forget to tell the old, old story of Jesus and his love. Once we were not a people, but now we are part of the people of God. As we sang last week, go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. That's our adoption story. Is it your adoption story? Jesus came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of, the, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of man, but of God. Let's go to him in prayer. O Lord our God, we thank you that you have brought us into the family of faith. We thank you, Lord, that our, our forgiveness is not merely an abstraction. That we are not merely justified in, in, in some vague technical way. 
but that because you are love and because you are loving, you have held us close and brought us near and said, you are my son, you are my daughter, you are an heir of the kingdom of God. What a promise. What an amazing truth. We thank you for that truth this Christmas season, and we pray that we would live every day from now until Christmas and in the days and weeks and years beyond as if we believed that were true, as if that were the most true thing in the universe. And may you give us peace through him. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.